about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Hello and welcome to this program on this week and a very special time of the year where we all start to prepare for that entry into the earth by our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. My name is Art Cardos and of course the program is called All In. If you're on this wavelength and you're watching this program, that means you already pretty much know what we're going to talk about. And we're talking about being all in with the Lord. But most importantly, we're talking about how we can utilize all the benefits of what Jesus came to teach. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest miracles that ever took place, but sometimes we kind of glide over, is that day when the angel appeared to Mary and told her that she was to conceive a son and uh, his name would be called Emmanuel, or Jesus. And she accepted that. She received it by faith. And she said, but how could that be? I haven't known any man. And he said, by the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. And she got all excited. Because then she went and told her cousin Elizabeth and she just believed it. That's a miracle. It's about what we're going to talk about. What you believe, you will receive. How do you receive? How do you receive from God? How do we enter into the kingdom living? Where Jesus, when you think about what he did, he came into this earth to teach us, show us what was possible, and how to implement it and that's what I want to talk about today you know I know it's dangerous to say these words but you and I are made in the image and the likeness of God and it's kind of funny but God took a selfie and then he made you you say oh come on art you represent a part of who God is. He took a selfie, and that part of him that that picture is, is you made in his image and likeness. That is the creator of the universe, of the galaxies, of all existence. And you and I represent a part of who he is, a part of who he is. And so, here we're going to talk about that, but you're made in the God class. You're not God. I didn't say that. And you aren't, uh, if anything, you're a little, little God, little God, little Jesus. But we're made in his image and likeness. And Jesus came that you and I could then represent him and be more like him and walk around every day performing like him. I know that might be a struggle if you're hearing this for the first time, but we've got to wake up and realize that the only power Satan has in this planet is the power he 
has over any human being to get them to do what he wants done or to get them to stay out of the way while he gets it done through another human being. He has no other power. Adam came and gave the power over to Lucifer, Satan. Jesus came, got it back, and he handed it to who? To you and I, if we will accept him as our Lord and Savior. So let's start out, let's read Romans 8.11. This is the New International Version of chapter 8, verse 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, okay, how's another way to say that? The same energy, the same strength, the same God, the same Holy Spirit, the same Spirit, of him who raised Jesus from the dead, the power that it took to raise him after three days, three nights, from the dead, is living in you and I. That same spirit. Now, does that mean you're utilizing it? No, it doesn't. That's what we're talking about. If that spirit is living in us, What are we to do to get more use of it while it's there instead of ignoring it or making making it seem as if it's not there? So if the same Spirit is in us that raised Jesus from the dead, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. So now how do we access that? You say, okay, that sounds great, but boy, you know, if I'm sick or if I, I don't feel good or if I don't this or I don't that. So what do we do? We have to start thinking like Jesus. That's what we've got to do. We've got to put on the mind of Christ. We can't walk around broke, busted, sick, disgusted, calling yourself a Christian, dragging yourself to church, not even sure why you're going, that is not an example of what the Bible talks about. Okay, so Romans 12, 2, the New International Version, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the New International Version. Now I'm going to read the King James Version. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, here we are, turning on the news, turning on, or reading the newspaper, listening to other people, and allowing ourselves to be conformed to what they're talking about. That's not what Jesus says to do. 
He says, do not conform. Do not be conformed to this world and all that they've got to say. Lucifer took over when Adam handed him the controls. And he began a process of programming people that when they're born, from the time you're born all the way up through, you're fighting off all these thoughts that tell you you're not worthy, you're not good, God doesn't love you, you're a sinner, you know, you're better off, just don't even believe in God. And those thoughts have been placed in a lot of people. Now, we, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, have to put them out. You can't have both. You can't be listening to what everybody else is telling you to think and then say, uh, God, God must want me sick. I'm sorry. I am so sorry for you if you think that, that God's will is for you to be sick. I, I'm, I'm about to explode when I hear people say that. The God who created the universe, the God who created everything we have and everything in us, the God who created a body and gave it to you, stuck your soul in it and your mind and says, now be sick or be, be um, let's say, oh, I'm going to give you a computer. Here it is, but I'm putting a virus in it because I love you so much. What? Whoever heard of such a ridiculous thing, and yet it's been fed to the body of Christ, that somehow it's God's will when people are sick. It is not God's will. God's will is for you to be healthy and to prosper. But we have been fed a line of, I call it critter crap, because Lucifer's the critter, and he's crapping all over our brains, and people listen to him. And if that's not enough, you turn on the news and he's feeding that. What are you going to do different to get different results? You've got to get into the Word of God. God's Word, all 66 books of the Bible, are consistent, consistently demonstrating the power and the will for God to want to bless you. There is no coincidence in those books and how they're written. It is absolute. How do I know that? <laughs> Just read it. You know, I, I get. I, you need to read it. You absolutely need to read it. Of all the things you do in life, pick up the Bible and start to read it. Oh, I tried that. I didn't understand it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. It's all going to show up. I promise the Lord won't let you down. God's Word never returns void. His Word in all of the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, in my opinion, is a user-friendly manual on how to operate all the rules and laws of the universe that God created in order to get us blessed. In other words, quantum physics, physics, gravity, laws, nature, everything. If we listen to God's Word, if we apply God's Word, our whole life, everything in it will change for the good, not for the bad, for the good. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to come and redeem us from all that stinking thinking. That's what it is. It's just critter crap. That's it. God's Word is true.
Everything else is a lie. The Bible says that. Did you know that? Anything apart from God's Word and anything apart from faith, God calls sin. So if you're not operating faith, living in faith, and using God's Word, well, you might be know Jesus and accepted Him, maybe you'll go to heaven. But you're not going to see results here on earth if you're not doing the things it takes to get the results. You've got to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer, deceiving your own self. The Bible says that. So, here we are. <clears throat> Romans 12, 2, I read it. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you renewing your mind? Are you doing anything about it to renew your mind? Or are you just saying, well, that's too much work? You know, I, I, have, I have a long day. I have to go to work, work all day. Maybe you're single, you come home, you got to prepare meals, you got to eat, you got to do this, you got to do that. Or if you're married, you come home, have dinner with your family, kids, exhausted, go to bed, get up, go to work, blah, 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 blah. No time. There's no time to put God's Word in. That might make things easier for you and bless you financially in every other way. Of course, you don't have time for that. Okay, so Philippians 4.8. What are we to think about? What is it we're supposed to think? Here it is. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Now let's just analyze that for a second. If God thought sickness was teaching you something, he'd tell you to meditate on it. But he doesn't tell you to meditate on it. He says meditate on anything praiseworthy. Praiseworthy. What do you have in your life that's praiseworthy? That you know God has brought to you and you can praise him for it. And don't tell me nothing because you're breathing today. You're alive in a, and if you had a, you can't create this body you're living in, but if you could make one, how many billions of dollars would they be worth? And yet you're living in an earth suit. That's called the body. It's a human body. You have one. You could sell it. You want to sell it for parts? You could probably make a lot of money on it. Okay, but then you'd have no body and then you'd be dead. And is that what you want? The human body is the most amazing, amazing, beautiful creation. And our soul and our spirits live in this earth suit. And when the body wears out, which in most cases is way too early in people's lives, but when it wears out, then you do leave this planet because you cannot live here without an earth suit. But you need to find out what God's word, said, happen, word says happens to you when you leave the body. Because there's more to this life. It doesn't end with the body. This is just a temporary earth suit that we all need to live here. And people are dying too young because they don't know God's word. And by, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't know what God said. What do you think God said? How old should you live to? He said at least 120. 
and then not be sick and not be old. But the body starts to create old cells once you start telling it you're getting old. You ever did that? Well, the minute you open your mouth, you are writing your program for the future. So let's go on. I know I get a little fired up here, I'm very firm about this stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't come for you to die more, to suffer more. He came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Don't mix up the two messages. What do you think he did? He came to earth, demonstrated by healing everyone who was brought to him, and then goes to the cross for you and I so we don't have to pay for our sins, goes into hell for three days, three nights, I mean, defeats Satan in front of all of creation down there, makes a mockery of him, comes out and says, okay, he's defeated. Now, here's the keys. Go in my name. Did he not say that? Well, what are we doing? What are you doing? How are you acting? Oh, Art, you don't know. You talk so strong. and You know, you don't know how I feel. Well, I don't care how you feel. Change it. The Bible says you can, don't, you can change. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. You have to renew your mind. That's a process. You can renew your mind. It is something that's done every day. You are renewing it every day, either for the worst or for the best. People start saying, oh, I'm getting old. Oh, I can feel the aches and pains. Oh, I'm going to die. probably die like my, everybody else in my family at a young age. You know, cut me a break. The minute you start doing that, they're proving now, neurologists are proving that the center of the nerve system is controlled from the center of the brain. And it happens when you start to speak. And when you speak, you're controlling the central command center in the brain that sends signals to the nerves and tells it what you're saying. Oh, he doesn't want to get any younger. He wants to get older now. So let's send all the materials there to make him older, or make her older. Come on. This stuff is being identified by science all over the world. And, I, and I, you have to laugh because some of the scientists who discover these things are saying, but we don't know where we came from. What do you mean you don't know where you came from? Pick up the Bible. Pick up the Bible. It is 66 books of confirmation of where you came from and where you're going and how you're wonderfully created. And they're just finding out and thinking, well, we can't have, have it be that there was a God or a creator because then we have to be subjects to him. Well, I got news for you, Mr. Mortal. If you're an atheist or if you're someone who doesn't believe in God, you're going to be subject to death whether you like it or not. And then what happens after that, you're going to be subject to. So you might as well think about it now, you most reasonable, rational scientist that thinks of everything. You might as well think about where you're going when you die, because there is a choice there. And you can tell me all day long there is no choice, and you can even believe you evaporate into nothing. I really don't care. It matters to me what I believe, because I know Jesus, and I know that there's a place called heaven, a planet, a real place where people live and go there. And if you don't think there is, prove it. Prove it. It's that simple. But you can't, because you have no way of doing that. Pick up the Bible and prove it wrong. Read it. Come on, Mr. Scientist. I'm, I'm being very blunt, because you know why? 
Time is short. And nothing happens in this earth without, without I believe, the, the permission given by the body of Christ or lack of, of prayer by the body of Christ. Satan wants to take it over. We can stop him, but we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know who we are in Christ. So it tells us whatever things are good, true, we're supposed to meditate on them. Anything that's praiseworthy, that's what you meditate. That's what you think about. Not that you're sick. You don't sit there and meditate that you're sick all day long. Oh, God must want me to learn something. Oh, cut me a break. Listen to yourself. I, I, I'm sorry. The day of that part of religion is gone. God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be a demonstration. He de so meditate on what's praiseworthy. This is 3 John 2. 3 John <clears throat> 2. New King James Version. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, there it is. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, but just as your soul prospers. So what part of that is, is wrong here? Your soul. <laughs> your soul has to wake up and be con not conformed. And when your soul changes, your body changes. So his prayer is for you to be prosperous. What's, how do you make that into maybe God wants me to be sick? I don't know how you get there. I don't know what equation you're using to confuse the issue. I can't go there with you. I'm sorry. It's wrong. Okay, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. Of course, it's John talking, but he was listening to the Holy Spirit, got a lot of good information from the Holy Spirit, and passed it along to us. Well, we can ignore that one too, right? Okay, Luke 4.23. This is, uh, he, said, he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done ha, have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Okay, so Jesus, when he was on the cross, they were saying, Physician, heal yourself. Jesus had a plan. Him and God had a plan. He knew he was supposed to die. Otherwise, they never would have been able to kill him. Period. The end. Couldn't have happened unless he laid it down. Nobody killed Jesus, Jesus laid his life down, because he would have kept on living. He would have kept on living. There's not a doubt in my mind. However, the plan was the cross. He had to go to the cross so he could go into hell, defeat Satan, bring us all home, bring us back. That's what he did. Adam lost it. Jesus got it back. Jesus is getting it back in this process. Okay. Uh, this is Luke 4.23. He said to them, You will surely say, The physician heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum. Now, what Capernaum was where he always went back home to, Capernaum. He lived in Capernaum. And, and miracles were happening all over the place. Now, people were being healed. And it is said, it is written, that everyone who came to him, except for in his own town, everyone who came for, to him was healed. Now, the people who were closest to him that were saying, oh, that's just the carpenter's son up the street, 
don't worry about him. He's a little off. <clears throat> he might be even crazy. He thinks he can heal people. So the people out of his town were all accepting the healings. And by the way, if God didn't want you healed, he sure wouldn't have sent Jesus around healing people. Because then Jesus would be working against God. And he wasn't working against him. He was working for him, demonstrating the right way. That's why people were healed. Blind could see. Deaf could hear. So if God wanted you blind to teach you something, he sure wouldn't have sent Jesus to heal him. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, so Jesus lived in Capernaum. And in Capernaum, people were getting healed. That's the place where they came to the house and cut the hole in the roof and lowered the person in and, and he got healed. I mean, miracles were happening. But they were saying, why don't you heal yourself? Come down from the cross. But Jesus had a plan and he knew that plan. But it also fulfilled scripture. <clears throat> five, Mark 5, uh, 25 to, 20, to 33. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So she, she was broke. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that with healthcare the way it is today. You, you could find yourself going broke just if you don't have coverage. I mean, it, these guys are out of control in what they charge. And, but she, in her case, she spent all her money. She was no better off. Uh, she grew worse. She probably lost a lot of weight, probably was hardly nothing left. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and, and touched his garment. Now. First of all, she had uh, uh, the flow of blood. Now, women weren't allowed out of their home when they had blood of any kind flowing, okay? That was against the rules. And so if in order for her to get out there in the crowd behind Jesus, she had to really believe, believe something was gonna happen because she could be told, she could be put away. I don't know what they do to you there, kill her, yeah, I don't know, but that was against the rules, against the law for her to come out. But she heard about Jesus, and she started to say, if I just touch his garment, if I just touch his garment, and came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. You think she said that once? You think she said it 10 times? You think she said it for days waiting for him to come? If, I guess, if he comes and I just touch his garment, I'm gonna be totally healed. Now remember, she's broke. She's probably going to die. There's no other place for her to go. She probably has lost a tremendous amount of weight. And she's touched, she says, if I just, she said, said, she said it out of her mouth, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately, immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. Okay, so Jesus was walking. She comes up behind him, but she's the only one that knows what's going on. And she's saying, if I just touch him. And he says, you know, who touched me? That's a whole nother story there, right? And we're going to have to get to that after the break because we're out of time and we're going to take a commercial break here. But she comes up behind him. Jesus isn't saying you're healed. He doesn't even know what's happening. It's her faith. She has activated her faith, the nerve centers in her mind, 
Everything about it is being activated. Quantum physics are coming on board. Jesus is about to do it, but it's through his anointing. It's coming out because she believes it, but she's using her faith. You got to understand, it's our faith that activates it. Our faith. That's why a person can say, it's not working for me. Operate your faith. Operate your faith and it will work. We'll talk more about it as soon as we get back. We'll be right back after this message. It's about space, it's about saving the human race It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history It's about you, it's about me, it's about time Broadcasting live from historic West Norton Township. This is AM 1180. AM 1180. WFYL. King of Prussia. Philadelphia. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. We're back. And we were right in the middle of the story. We we're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. And uh, man, you know, I just, I get so fired up about this because I'm realizing, and the Lord is making me realize that it's our own lack of utilizing our faith that causes so many problems in life. And, and we're going to talk about how that can change, but it changes by starting with you and I believing that we're more than we are. That more than, I mean, we're made in the image of God. So we're, made, we're more than we are or who we think we are. We have to see ourselves as God sees us. Then we can begin the process. So immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. So this anointing power, Jesus could feel it. Something happened. He felt it like drop. That means you can feel the anointing. You can feel it, and you can feel it when it changes. He felt it. And he turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, of course, his disciples are laughing at this point <laughs> and said, hey, everybody's pushing in on you. The multitude is thronging you. And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, because, why was she fearing and trembling? Because she wasn't supposed to be in public. She was supposed to be in her house. Knowing what had happened in her, she pushed herself to come forward, and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. There you go. And what does Jesus say? Your faith has made you whole. So is it that Jesus wanted to heal her, or is it that her faith activated the process? Well, Jesus didn't even know it was about to happen. He was God. He say, oh, he knew. No. If he knew, he would have knew who it was. He said, who did that? And so therefore... God, Jesus, working as a man, okay, knows the power went out of him, but he says to her, your faith, your faith, 
your faith. And that's the important part. We've got to realize what faith we have, the ability we have to use faith. Here in John 14.10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but my Father who dwells in me does the works. So Jesus is operating as a man on earth, but he's telling you how he's doing that. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own, but my own authority. I Rather, I speak, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Okay, so if we stop speaking on our own authority and start to speak on the authority of Jesus and the Word of God, stop saying what you think. No one really cares what you think. I'm convinced that when somebody says, how you doing? They don't really want to know how you're doing. They, they don't really want you to sit there for the next 30 minutes telling them how you're doing. How you doing? Well, let me tell you, brother. Let me tell you, sister. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of the Jerry Seinfeld episodes, you know, where they just they make, make something out of everything, you know. But we don't and aren't supposed to do that. We were supposed to meditate on praiseworthy things, not to be exp explic explaining the negative or talking about what's wrong all the time and focusing on it, because it changes your whole body chemistry. It changes who you are. Body chemistry is everything. Some people walk into the room, and you can tell they did. It brightens up. Some people walk out of the room, and you can tell they did. It brightens up. You have to realize that body chemistry is all about what you believe and how you are living your life. That's why you can talk to somebody for five minutes and, and, and listen and find out where their life's going because their words are directing it. And if they don't know the Lord and they're not allowing God to speak through them, well, then they're heading in the wrong direction. All of us. I'm talking about all of us. We've got to correct this. This is something we can do. All right, here in Mark, book of Mark, uh, chapter 6, verse 3 to 5. There, and this is back to where I was talking about why it, it, it wasn't working in his own hometown. Is this not the carpenter, son of Mary, and brother of James, Jose, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Jesus starts preaching in his hometown, and people are saying, Hey, isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter's son, uh, son of Mary, and brother of James, Jose, Judas, and Simon? So he had brothers and sisters. So they tried to bring them down to a level where they could then, you know, oh, man, I'm not listening to him. They killed their own faith. And that's why the, the Bible tells us if you lift Jesus up, he'll lift you up. If you put his name down, if you're cursing his name, don't turn around and think you're going to see a miracle. You're, you're cursing the name that is the name that's above every name that can bring you the mirror. Not, I'm not saying you do that, but some people do. And when they get upset, boy, they find words. Stop doing it. And then Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives and his own house. Why? Because they, they're living with you. They think they got you all figured out. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. 
So a few people with a cold, maybe, got healed. And he couldn't do any mighty works. He couldn't do it. Why? Because what did they say? Ah, Jesus. You know, it's that name it and claim it bunch. He's just telling you, he's just trying to get you to believe something. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard somebody just try to put it down? Like, ah, that faith stuff doesn't work. I've tried it. <laughs> you tried it. Oh, my gosh. That's a, you ever try surgery on yourself? Why not? Because <laughs> you didn't go to school for it. You shouldn't be trying anything unless you start to learn about it. And so I, I'm just warning you right now. The body of Christ needs to wake up. We need to realize who we are in Christ. Who are you? You are made in the image and likeness of God. God took a selfie, and a part of him is what you look like. That's it. All right. Now, jump ahead. Matthew 15, uh, 29 to 31. Jesus departed from there. He departed from, I would have departed from, from uh, the place where they said, isn't that the carpenter's son? I'd say, oh, man, let him go. He departed there from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on a mountain and sat there sat down there. A great multitude came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, maimed, and many others. That's a little bit above the pay grade of just having a cold, isn't it? Think about what that says. They had with them people that were lame, couldn't walk, blind, couldn't see, mute, couldn't talk, maimed. Maimed, that means missing a limb, right? And many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet. And here's the four words. And he healed them. He healed them. I'm going to read it again. Lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And he healed them. Now, if God was teaching them something, then he should not have healed them. So you can't use that anymore. God wants you healed. And God, obviously, there is a way for a maimed person to have something grow back. It can happen. You have to open your mind to that. A blind person's eyes can now see again. We have to begin to believe that. All of these things. This is no joke. This is what Jesus did. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. So you have one, on one hand, he's in his hometown. They're saying, that's the carpenter's son. That's that carpenter's son. I'll listen to him. And here, he leaves there, goes to another town, goes out of town, and boy, people are just glorifying God. They didn't know it was the carpenter's son, did they? They weren't putting him down. They hadn't prejudged. So when the next time you go to a healing service, because you already know the pastor, don't prejudge. Go knowing God's in him. Jesus is in him. Oh boy. Okay, so here we are. Matthew 15. Um, now, uh, oh, this is the same. This is the same uh, passage. I, I did it in the message version. Now, you know, the last one was in the King James version. So let's read it in the message version. If you've never done that, it it makes it more plain or reasonable to listen to. Sometimes it says uh, Matthew 15:29 to 31. After Jesus returned. He, walking along Lake Galilee, and then climbed a mountain, and took his place ready to receive visitors. They came, tons of them, bringing along the paraplegic, the blind, the maimed, and the mute. Paraplegic? Wow. 
and laid them all at Jesus' feet to see what he would do with them. <laughs> okay, man, here they are. What are you going to do now? <laughs> Could you imagine? He healed them. Can you imagine? He healed them. He didn't say he, didn't, he missed any. He just says he healed them. When the people saw the mute speaking, the maimed healthy, the paraplegics walking around and blind looking around, they were absolutely astonished and let everyone know that God was blazingly alive among them. Man, could you imagine? Tons of people. Now, I guess if, if we went locally into a big, like the PPL Center or, or one of these big basketball uh, places, you know, the, the, the big where they hold thousands of people, and, and we brought all the maimed and all of all the people that are sick into that place, and every single one of them were healed. Wow. What would that be like? Yet we're supposed to be like Jesus. Wow. I, you see, we've got to get there. We've got to understand that this is what God's will is, for us to be able to, to understand what Jesus did so that we realize we're made in his image and likeness. We, we actually need to do what no man can do so that God gets the glory. That's what we need to do. We need to do it. We need to be supermen and women, not on our own. It's Jesus in us. But we've got to get a glimpse of what that feels like and means when Jesus is living in us. And we have to know that we know that we know that the anointing that was in Christ that rose him from the dead is the same one that's on us. We read that. And that same anointing can do all the work. It's God in us, just as he was in Jesus. We are sons of God and daughters of God. And Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. But then we're born again, too, after him. So we all have a number. We're all reborn, born again. It's the only way to get into the kingdom of God is to be born again. That's what Jesus said. So here in De Deuteronomy 28, 61. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law, will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. Now, that's because they were under the curse, and that's what it's saying. So what we're talking about here, and the reason this scripture is included, is that every sick, and, and you probably say, well, he says, and God will bring it on you. No, it said, if, if, if you didn't keep the, the laws, if you didn't understand what he was saying, this is going to come on you. But every sickness and every plague, that means every sickness and every plague is also under the feet of Jesus. So if we come across a new plague, like we recently have, it doesn't matter if it didn't exist. It's under the feet of Jesus. It's under the blood of Jesus. And it cannot, it cannot, it cannot come on us because it's under the law. And we are no longer under the law. We are under grace. We are under the blood. So we have been delivered from the law. The curse that's attached to the breaking of the law, we have been redeemed from it through Christ. So that means that every plague which is not written in the book is still under that, and we're redeemed from it. Deuteronomy 28.61 If you don't diligently keep all the words of this revelation written in this book, living in the holy awe before the name glorious of the temple, name glorious and terrible God, your God, then God will, uh, if you don't keep the rules, if you don't diligently keep the words of this revelation in the book, this is the message version, I should say that, because this is also 
going to show why living in under God's word delivers you from all this evil. Because if you don't do it, and this message version is pretty pretty blunt. It says, if you don't diligently keep all the words of this revelation written in this book, living in holy awe before the name of the glorious and terrible God, your God, then God will pound you with catastrophes, you and your children, huge insurmountable catastrophes, hideous insurmountable illnesses. He brings back the, he, he'll bring back and, and stick you with every old Egyptian malady. That's if you're out of the word. Because it's on the earth that way. The curse is on the earth. So if you if you ignore all this, don't come around saying God did it to you. God is allowing it to exist on the earth, but it's coming on you because it's under the curse. And every disease and catastrophe is written in the book of Revelation. God will bring on you until you're destroyed if you don't accept Jesus because Jesus delivers you from all of that, from all of that. So people get that all confused and they're saying, yeah, God brought that on me. He doesn't want it on you. He gave you Jesus so you don't have to have it on you. But if you want to ignore Jesus, if you want to ignore God, <laughs> if you want to <coughs> ignore everything he did for you, it's going to come. So don't complain. So let's that's the way out. You accept Jesus and begin to live a different, brand new, born-again life, delivered from the evil of this present world. It's interesting stuff. Psalm 8, verse 3 through 9, New King James Version. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you are crowned with him and the glory, with glory and honor. You have made him to dominate over the works of your hands. You have made all things, put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air. So there you have it. In Psalm 8.3, we're told, <clears throat> when you consider how big the universe is, who, who are we that God wants us to be like him and he gives us all this? Because God loves us. But that's what happens. People say, well, we're, we're so nothing. We're nothing as nothing to the Lord. It says, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish in the sea that pass through the paths of the sea, O oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, because you've given us, you visit with us. You made us just a little lower than the angels. Psalm 8.3, that's the one I just read. I'm going to read it to you in the message version because it's, it's, um, it's really maybe more understandable. Um, I look up at the macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon stars mounted in the settings, then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? Yet we so narrowly missed being gods, brought with Eden's dawn light. You put us in charge of your handcrafted world, repeated to us your Genesis charge, made us stewards of sheep and cattle, even animals out in the wind, birds flying, fish swimming, whales singing in the ocean deeps. God, brilliant Lord, your name echoes around the world. So what he's saying here is in Psalms, you're so big, and yet you make us in your image and your likeness. You've brought us to a place where we are to recognize who you want us to be. 
when we come to a point of realizing that God, our Father, who sent Jesus into the earth, has a plan for each one of us, a divine plan, and that he wants you to prosper. We read that. He does not want you to walk around broke, busted, sick, and disgusted. He wants you to know that you can get out of any circumstance or situation if you will use your faith. I am convinced that the whole Bible, especially the New Testament, is a user-friendly manual to operate all the laws of the kingdom of God and all of existence. And he narrowed it down to one commandment. There were thousands in the Bible. You get all mixed up. The Jewish nation had over 613 commandments they made because they figured people needed them. But he narrowed it down to one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love conquers all. Love. If you truly love your neighbor as you love yourself, you begin to think differently about how to help them. What do they need? What can you do for them? Are they hungry? Are they needing clothes? Do they? What do they need? Have you even thought about it? You say, oh, my neighbors, they're doing okay. How do you know that? Have you talked to them about it? I think the older you get, the wiser you get, and you begin to realize your goals for yourself can only be accomplished when you help others reach their goals. That's how the kingdom works. So if I invest myself in helping others, my desires automatically come. And God knows our desires, especially if we've written them down. That's a whole nother, a whole nother talk. But when we love one another in the name of Jesus, when we spread the gospel of Jesus, when we recognize that he came to bring sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to help you in any circumstance and situation, how do you activate that kind of faith in your life? If you're not sure, the first thing to do is go to the Word and read the Word. The Holy Spirit will help you find it. Number two, find other people that are also hurting and find a way to help them. Find a way to love them. Find a way to extend yourself to them on purpose, knowing that you're doing it in the name of Jesus. He, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Love never fails, but love always gives and always has something to give. We all love our children, and it's easy to want to give to them at whatever they need to find a way to do that, because you love your children. God loves his children. He found a way to get you whatever you need. All we need to do 
is activate the system that he gave us. It's called the kingdom of God. He put all the laws into effect. He built the earth. He put all of quantum physics in the earth. And when you speak out of your mouth, what you speak and believe will come to pass. That is one of the master laws of quantum physics. We speak and all and believe what we're saying, and it all starts to happen. It all starts to come to pass. It is as if a farmer went out to sow seed, and he sowed the seed into the ground. And at first, it just grew a little, but then it broke through, and that little seed became a big tree. And then we could all rest in the shade of that tree. That's the kingdom, and it all starts with you and your mouth, and what you're saying, and what you're believing. Because if you say it, or pray it, and don't believe it, you haven't done anything. That isn't prayer. It isn't prayer. When you pray, thinking it's not going to happen, that's not prayer. So, learn to pray, learn to believe, activate our faith, love one another as Jesus loved us, and that's how it works. The kingdom of God is at hand. And all of us alive today have to do something with it. What are we going to do? Nothing happens in this earth without somebody saying it first. And if there's stuff happening in this earth that we don't want happening, it's our fault. We can turn that around. We should turn that around as the body of Christ, by saying, praying, and speaking those things which the Holy Spirit wants us to say and speak. So we're out of time. Another week, talking about things that maybe you want to hear, maybe you don't, maybe you turn the show off halfway through. It's okay. I get a lot out of it. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time.